This is an NYY Sports Talk podcast presented to you by Baseballism, a premium lifestyle apparel brand inspired by America's pastime. Baseballism is America's brand. Now batting for the New York Yankees, the shortstop, number two. This is episode 104. Remember that date, 104? 104. 10-4. Remember that date. That's your birthday. Forgotten. Of the NYY Sports Talk podcast presented to you by Baseballism.com. I'm your host, Christian. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. You. And Stat Guy Rye. What up? A little bonus episode this week. I like Um, this. We were able to get on the horn the brother of the manager of the New York Yankees, one Brett Boone. Aaron's brother. I don't think he likes to be referred to <laughs> as Aaron's brother because his Twitter handle is the Boone. The Boone. No, I think it's the Boone, like the Boone. I'm He's the Boone. The Boone. <laughs> Brett was uh Brett was kind enough to join us for about a half hour, talk about his career, talk about Aaron as the Yankees manager, and why you guys should probably give him a little uh, a little bit of slack as he uh, navigates the Yankees through his second season as manager of the ball club. Very insightful interview. Definitely something to take a listen to. So the fans should take a listen to it? I think so. You think they should take a listen to it right now? Yeah, I do. And this interview is brought to you by Baseballism. Uh, check out Baseballism.com. They have some incredible apparel, good quality apparel. If you're a baseball fan, a former player, I highly suggest heading over to Baseballism.com or one of their physical locations, one of them being right in Cooperstown, the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Check them out. Support America's brand, Baseballism.com, bringing you this interview with Brett Boone. He comes on deck to pinch hit, and I see Wakefield's pitcher, and I'm thinking, you know, <clears throat> he's having a tough time with a normal pitcher right now. You know, the normal 94-mile-an-hour fastball, 86-mile-an-hour slider. I said, maybe this whiffle ball, knuckleball game, <laughs> maybe it's his only chance. And he got up there and he hit the home run. I remember standing there going, you know, I stood up in the booth and, and I remember having the, the earpiece and the, and the producer down in the truck going, Brett, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was truly speechless. And I thought, wow, it would be really cool for him to get a big hit right here. But a home run to send them to the World Series. I didn't expect that big of a home. away in the eighth inning, leading by three as Boone hits it to deep left. That might send the Yankees to the World Series. Chris and Christian of the NYY Sports Talk podcast on here with former Major League All-Star Brett Boone. Brett, how you doing this afternoon? Doing good, guys. Afternoon for you, morning for me. Where are you located right now? West Coast, right? I'm in San Diego. Wow. Yeah, I'm in San Diego. Yeah. Got to so. beat the New Jersey weather. We got snow on the ground. It's we about got 45 Brett, uh, degrees outside. We got Brett Boone waking up extra early for us today. Well, I got, now this is kind of normal. I still got young kids. So <laughs> I've got a son that goes to, to school back there, though, at Princeton. So 
I'm out there about once a month during the basin. So I know, I know your weather. <laughs> well, let's get right into this. I mean, the first question we, uh, that came to my mind is like, your your family is obviously probably the most well-known family in baseball at this point. And everyone just kind of attributes your success, Aaron's success, to genetics. It's like, oh, yeah, well, Brett Boone was a successful baseball player. So was his father. So was his grandfather. But so as someone who played my entire life, I know it still took a, a lot of hard work to get to where you were and you know, was it a natural desire to follow in their footsteps or would you say there was a little bit of uh, pressure to continue the family business and make it in the major leagues? Well, I didn't, um, you know, growing up, I, I don't know. I hear that all the time. And, um, you know, I hear that about my kids. I've got a son that's a sophomore playing college baseball and I, you know, people ask me all the time, well, he must feel a ton of pressure. Well, I, you feel pressure if you put the pressure on yourself. I, I never felt an ounce of pressure. Um, you know, especially at a young age, my grandfather was a huge, huge influence and a huge part of my life. And, uh, you know, it was just introduced to me at a, at a real young age, and I just happened to love baseball. And, you know, everything I did was from first thing in the morning, waking up and putting on catcher's gear and, and dragging my grandpa out of bed let's go play catch um that's all i remember and and there was no pressure or hey you realize that your dad's a player and your grandpa played it's like i didn't really care it's like no i just love to play baseball and um i didn't put it in that perspective either or or ever i was just basically this is what i do and obviously i'm gonna play baseball because i don't know um so i didn't feel that pressure uh i just loved the game And, and my dad was was really good about um, not really expecting it. You know, his his attitude was, here's the game. Um, you know, obviously I grew up around it, but you know, hopefully you like it and hopefully you want to be a baseball player. But but there was there was a lot of support in my family um, in whatever I pursued. Uh, my parents were going to be supportive, and it wasn't necessarily you've got to play baseball. Not 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 at all. It was just kind of a, it just kind of evolved, and it, and it was what I wanted to do. Well, in 1998, you became part of some pretty cool baseball history as the only infield to consist of two sets of brothers. It was you and Aaron and then Steven and Barry Larkin. Growing up, did you ever imagine that you'd actually be sharing the infield with your brother in the major leagues? No, I didn't think Aaron was going to be good enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was was a time where, and Aaron and myself, we we really didn't make that a big deal. We didn't think it was that big of a deal at the time. It was what we were both, you know, destined to do. Now, fast forward to, to current, you know, I'm 49 years old now, and I look back at those times and you know i wish i would would have been able to stop the clock a little bit and, and enjoy and and kind of look get outside the box and look how special of a time that is you know there's not too many brothers that get to do the same thing for a living let alone play on the same team you know let alone play in the same infield so uh th- those are some things you know in my career if i could look back and, and maybe just kind of sit back and and appreciate the little things a little more because that's it's a pretty awesome thing, you know. Aaron came up in '98. Uh, I believe he came up in '97. He got a call up, but in '98 he he had his first full season. Uh, you know, I had been in Cincinnati for three or four years, and um, yeah, it it's it was a pretty cool thing. 
Well, we're going to pick your brain a little bit more to try to get some other cool things out of you. If you could pick like that one personal career highlight that means the most to you, out of something you've accomplished in your major league career, what would that be? Well, I, I, I think, you know, I've been asked that a lot too. I, I don't think for my career in particular, uh, I, I have that one highlight. I really don't. Um, you know, obviously the day I got called up, that was huge. You know, that was the first time it had ever happened that there were three generations and my grandfather got to see that. And, you know, this is what you're talking, my grandpa, you're, you're talking one of the proudest men I've ever met as far as his family and his generation and just the lineage of baseball. So that was definitely a big day. Um, and, and then all the little things that go along with their career, you know, um, I got to play on some really great teams. You know, I got to go to some postseasons. I got to go to one World Series. Um, you know, the first time I won a gold glove, first time I made an all-star team. Um, the 2001 Mariner season was beyond, you know, that was just kind of a surreal experience to win 116 games. So I don't think the individual things, I have one, you know, huge moment that stands out. Um, the home run derby in, in Seattle was, it was a pretty special thing um just because it was my home city and and uh you know that it's a great city and a a fun city especially when you're winning but the the level of of the crowd noise at that particular uh event was was something i'd never reckoned not something i'd never seen before um so there's a lot of special times but i don't think one in particular really stands out getting to play with aaron you know that day that aaron got uh called up that, that was pretty cool you know my my dad was uh was the bench coach for the Reds in 94. Uh, that was a cool experience, you know, and I went in very pessimistic about it. Like, oh, my dad's going to be on the team, you know, following <laughs> me around after games. I want to, you know, I'm a man now. I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> ended, up being, ended up being a really cool experience. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the way uh, that particular year I really enjoyed because I went in, like I said, I went in pessimistically and it ended up being great cause, because, because, uh, he was really able to take the father hat off and be a coach. And when we were at the ballpark, it was very professional and it was very much coach player. And, uh, you know, but at the same time off the field, when the games ended, we had an off day, I get to go to dinner with my dad, you know, cause he's a part of the team. So I, I just have so many <clears throat> cool experiences and cool moments in my career that I really can't narrow it down to one. There's just a lot of them. You know, I, I had a pretty blessed childhood and pretty blessed career i'd say so and and you know your brother aaron was pretty successful in the uh in the booth with espn and then it seemed like out of nowhere you know the next thing we heard was that the yankees were hiring him as their manager did it ever surprise you the mutual interest between aaron wanting to be a manager and the yankees interest in him uh and do you see yourself ever managing a team uh one day or coaching one day well, the first question is, um, yeah, at first, you know, it was a little surprising to me, but then when you really think about how it came to be, uh, it all kind of makes sense. You know, Aaron, um, you know, obviously played most of his career with Cincinnati and Cleveland a little bit. He moved around at the end of his career. Um, he had that blew out his knee <clears throat> when he, well, he signed with the Yankees. He hits the big, the big home run in the postseason, um, which I was in the booth for doing the. I was doing the show with uh, McCarver and Buck. That's right. I, I did know that. Yeah. Yes. So Aaron hits the big home run. You know, one of the biggest home runs ever in in postseason sure. history. 
uh, then goes out the following season and is, you know, doing his typical daily gym routine. And then he would do a treadmill, you know, for his cardio. Instead, this day, he went out and played basketball in a pickup game to get 20 minutes in. So he didn't have to do the, the treadmill and they was going to get his cardio in that day ends up pulling out his ACL. And, um, and this is kind of epitomizes what Aaron is. I mean, I don't know too many players, uh, with a pending contract. I think his contract was four or $5 million with the Yankees the following season. I don't know too many players that would have gone and stepped up to the mic and, and, told him exactly what happened, knowing the co- what the consequences could be. And uh, that just says a little bit of, you know, that's kind of what Aaron's all about. Aaron's just an honest, high-integrity guy. And went to the Yankees and said, I know I'm not supposed to be playing basketball. This is what happened. Uh, they ended up voiding his contract, giving him a buyout, and he had to rehab for a year, and then ended up coming back with, with a couple other teams. But, you know, still to this day, I don't know too many guys I've played with or against that would stand up and, and just be honest about the whole, how it unfolded. I think that probably grabbed the Yankees and, you know, especially a guy like Cashman. I think his the level of uh, respect he had for Aaron went to a higher level just because of how he handled that whole situation. Uh, fast forward, then he went to ESPN. Um, for years. And as you know, ESPN likes to carry that Boston, New York series. So Aaron throughout the next five or six years has spent a lot of time uh, covering those series down on the field, probably talking to Cashman quite a bit. And I think over the years, they they just uh, developed a relationship and a fondness for for each other. And when it came down to it, um, Aaron was able to get an an interview and, and went, you know, hit a home run in the interview. And next thing you know, he's managing. And uh, so I think it's pretty cool how it happened. And it makes sense when you think about it in, in that way. And, uh, you know, no managing experience, but I don't think you really need it. You know, this game is not, if you're, if you're a, a baseball, you know, somebody with the, with the pedigree of Aaron and just the knowledge he has, it's really not far-fetched to just be a big league manager. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not that tough. You know the game and you know people and you can read people and conduct yourself in a way. Um, I'm not saying it's an easy job, but I don't see it really being a big deal of stepping in and running the team. It's, it's the way it is, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I don't think would be a, a real challenge for me to do. I, I would, I would love to do it. You know, I'm right now it's, um, I haven't been getting calls to go manage a team. Uh, of course I would leave that open in my future. Um, but, uh, you know, Aaron's doing it right now. I, I think he's got a you know, pretty cool situation. Yeah, last year they won 100 games, and they're in the postseason. They get knocked out by Boston, and it's tough back there in New York. I mean, you either win or you're going to get, you know, beat up pretty good, on, especially on talk radio. But I was back there for the Boston series and, you know, talking with them. And you got a great team. Bottom line is Boston was better than you last year. doesn't mean you can't win the series. You know, I've been on teams that – that we lost and we were the better team. That's baseball. And that's what makes it great. I'd say but 2001, 2001 was one of those years. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were sitting around. Nice to do a show by, and you're going to run the <laughs> Well, we were sitting there, you know, we got beat by the Yankees that year in 2001. We were looking around the clubhouse like, how did that just happen? Um, so that's what makes baseball baseball. But I think he had a great rookie season. Um, you know, they won a hundred games. They got a great team. 
uh, they didn't win at all. But, you know, this year they've added some things. You know, they get a chance to go at it again. So I'll be out there a few times this summer, and, you know, if postseason comes, I'll, I'll come out and watch that. But, uh, you know, I think he's doing a really good job. Well, you kind of just touched on it. The fact that, you know, a lot of people had their doubts when, when Aaron was hired that he didn't have any prior coaching or managerial experience in Major League Baseball. Um, but, you know, a lot of people said uh, that did support him that the history and the knowledge of your family and, and in himself in the game of baseball would be enough to guide him in the right direction. Uh, had there been times in, in, in the last year where Aaron looked to you personally to talk through any decision or was was everything really kept in-house and, and you know, he just took his, his instinct and, and ran with it? Well, I think Aaron's more like my dad. You know, I'm, I'm different than them. We're oil and water when it comes to personalities. So um, I would do it different than Aaron does. You know, I'm kind of a show up, uh, read my players. I, I think the most important, important part is, is, is reading people and players and <clears throat> how you treat players. You know, everybody's not equal. You don't treat everybody the same. You know, some guys you got to stick your foot in their, in their butt, and, and some guys you got to give them a hug to get the same results. And I think that's the main thing of managing. Aaron is, is like I said, we're very different. Aaron's very meticulous. He's very, uh, he's a studier. You know, he, he goes above and beyond. He, he, he crosses all his T's. Uh, so he's going into each and every game very prepared. Uh, that's something, that's how my dad was. You know, my dad would stay, my dad managed for, I think, four or five years. And it would be, you know, after the game, he would take it home with him and how we're going to win tomorrow. And he'd be at the ballpark at noon the next day where I would take a different approach. You know, I would take kind of the, the Lou Pinella, uh, Bruce Bochy approach where he shows up and, and, and says, guys, let's go and put a lot on the, on the players to really, you know, be big boys about it. And, and uh, but, you know, we have our different ways. We definitely talk throughout the year. Uh, I wouldn't say he's he's calling me every week to say what would you do here. What, but but there'll be a time, you know, there'll be certain times throughout the season where something comes up, and he'll call me and just bounce some ideas off me and see what I think. And not necessarily that he's going to take everything I tell him and and you know put it into the to the plan. But I think he leans on me if if he's you know on the fence on a on a decision. You know, if I agree with him, if I take one side, maybe he'll go with me on that. But. Uh, He's pretty much his own man, and I said he's very, he's very prepared. He's he definitely does his homework each and every day. So, uh, yeah, but it's it's cool. You know, he'll call me once in a while, and I kind of can feel what he's going to call me and the question he's going to ask about a player or or a, or a series and how I'd set up the series. So, uh, yeah, we have good brotherly talk, but um, you know, for the most part, he's he's got a really good staff down there. Good friend of mine is Phil Nevin, who we both grew both grew up with. He's on the staff, third base coach, and, you know, he relies a lot on Phil. So I think uh, they got a good thing going. All right, Brett, before we let you go, we'll ask you a couple more questions here. Uh, In the age of social media, uh, you know, any little thing that anybody does gets roasted, skewered on Twitter, you know, Instagram, whatever. (laughs) There are people out there, believe it or not, that were unhappy with Aaron Boone's uh, initial season with the Yankees. We were big Boone defenders. We're not just saying that because no, you're yeah, on the we're... show. Uh, you know, I was a Boone guy from day one day when one. I heard his introductory press conference. Um, if there's one thing you could tell fans that listen to this show that doubt Aaron Boone, what's the one thing that you would tell them to be confident that he could lead this team to a world championship? 
Well, let me tell you. I mean, I look at the managers out there. Aaron's is, Aaron's is qualified as anyone in the world to be a manager. You know, managing isn't rocket science. <laughs> Aaron's is qualified as knowledgeable as anybody I know. And I know a lot of people. Um, fans are fans. They're always going to be fans. Uh, that's what makes the game great is everybody has an opinion. And, and uh, you know, they. I remember in the playoff game, they got beat, you know, they got blown out in one of those Boston games that I was there. And I waited up for Aaron after the game. <laughs> he came walking through the door. And I said, so you want to manage the New York Yankees, do you? <laughs> you know, it it's just kind of comes with the territory. I mean, if you if you want to manage the Tampa Bay Rays, not saying it's not a great team, but obviously not going to be. A, when you manage the Yankees, uh, that city, they expect you to win a World Series every year. And if you don't, you stink and you're terrible and you should be fired. And that's just the way it is. It's kind of like I grew up in Philly and my dad played for the Phillies, and, you know, through the 70s. And one of the greatest third basemen in the history of the game, Mike Schmidt, was booed out of the stadium. Um, that's just a part of the position you take in life. You know, if you want to do a nine to five job and make 42,000 a year, nobody cares if you win, lose or indifferent, no one's going to bother you. But if you want to be in maybe the most high profile managing position in all of sports, uh, you got to take the good with the bad. So everybody's not going to be happy with you all the time. If you don't win, uh, a lot of fans are going to be calling for your head on a platter. And that's just, that's the way it is. But you go into the job knowing what you got and doing the best job you can. Like I said, Aaron's about as qualified as, as anybody out there. I look at the managers around baseball. There's a lot of great baseball uh, or men in the game and, and a lot of knowledge, a lot, a lot of knowledgeable guys. Managing is about three things for me. It's about how you interact with your players, uh, having that mutual respect. It's how you deal with the media, which I think is an easy thing for me to do. I've always got along great with all the media guys. And it's it's that relationship you have with your general manager because he's the general manager. He puts the team together. He gives you the team. You run the team. So having, having a good relationship, because throughout the course of a season, you're going to have a general manager who put, the, who put the team together. You're running the team. You're going to have your differences. And you don't want to be at odds with him all year. And, and it's massaging that relationship and, and, you know, making some concessions here, here and there. So you're both, both on the same page. I think that's one of the integral parts of managing. And I think he has the personality and he knows how to do that. And I think Cashman's a good man. He's got a lot of knowledge. He's been doing this for a long time. And I think they have a really good rapport. I think that helps. Aaron's a personable guy. Guys like Aaron. He's always been a likable guy in the clubhouse, his teammates, his peers. So I think the guys like him. And then it's running the media and how you run, how you interact with the media on a daily basis because they're going to ask you questions. They're going to ask you stupid questions. Now, I remember sitting in my locker as a player, and, and in Seattle, I was a guy that people would go to every day after the game. You know, I got 20 guys, and a lot of them are my friends. But I know I'm going to get a lot of stupid questions, and I'm going to look at them and go, that's a stupid question. You must <laughs> not have anything to write about tomorrow. But I think you develop that rapport with them, and they re they respect that you can laugh with them, you can be critical of them. They're going to be critical of you. But those are the three essential things I think you need to do. And I think Aaron's got a grasp on all three. So you're always going to have the fans out there that want to have their opinion. Um, but that's what makes the game great, and that's what makes it go forward. And and um, you know you you know what you signed up for. So I, I, he's a big boy. He can handle it. Um, but they want to win out there in New York. That's for sure. 
Well, last question for you, Brett. Well, not really much of a question, but just tell us a little bit about your book, Home Game, uh, about your life in baseball and where the fans can pick up a copy of the book. Um, yeah, that was something that came about a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really a book guy. You know, I didn't really like the guys that would finish their career, then write a book and throw people under the bus and talk about things that go, that go on in clubhouses. You know, for me, that's a sanction. That's, that's a pretty... Uh, private place, you know, what goes on in locker rooms and throughout the, that's, that's for you guys. That's the one safe space in sports because especially nowadays with social media and uh, your life away from the game is so public that you need to have some private places. And when you go into that clubhouse and you're with those guys, you know, three hours before every game, that's your time. So I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really respect players that would write, you know, a book when they're done playing and, and reveal what went on in the clubhouse. But then when they, they put it to me in a way where, you know, write this book and you can talk about your life and your grandfather and, and what it was like growing up, that then it became intriguing to me and, and allowed me to go through my childhood and go through my high school and college and professional career and, and um, really kind of get to look, you know, flashback and go through my life. And, and the, the, the coolest part for me was was bringing up all those grandfather stories, which at the time when he was alive and telling the stories around the dinner table, it's like, Gramp, I've heard that Ted Williams story 20 times. <laughs> really, give it a rest. But now when he's gone and I get to reflect back on those times, uh, made me appreciate those times and how cool my childhood was. And just to, to kind of go down memory lane and, and relive some of those stories, which you come to appreciate now when, when Gramps isn't around anymore. So that was a cool part for me. This isn't a book where I'm going to give you juicy details on, on things that happened in the clubhouse. Cause I'm not, um, but it's a very, I got a lot of cool stories from my grandfather's time, my dad's time, in my time. And it's just kind of a reflection of me growing up. Um, and it was interesting. And I, I was proud of the book when it was all said and done. And it was an interesting process and a learning process too. It was educational. Uh, you know, how that, the, the, that side works, how the, the book industry and, and the process of going through it with a ghostwriter and, and, uh, you know, how that whole process works. So it was, it was a different challenge for me and, and we got through it and, uh, no, it was, it was cool. I think nowadays it's been about three years now, so I think you can get it, but I think it's available now just on you know the ebook or or the you know what's it what do they call it yeah, Kindle like, or yeah, Kindle yeah. Amazon yeah, ebooks yeah I think it's more available there I think you can get it at brettboonbook.com yeah uh, but that would you would just be going through Amazon or an ebook situation so uh, that's where you can get that still. But it's interesting. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I was really another thing I was pessimistic about going into. But after I went through the process and, and the final product was there, uh, uh, you know, I was proud of the book and, and proud of my family. Well, I think it's an interesting, interesting read, too, for some of our listeners who do support, you know, your brother as the, as the manager and want a little inside look into your family well, yeah, and, and it, what kind of, you know, impact they make. And there's stories about, there's stories about the night Aaron hit the home run. You know, there's an issue. There's an interesting story about, uh, the day before my grandfather died and some of the things he revealed to me, uh, that bring back memories and, and just cool, cool stuff like that. So yeah, you'll see some insight of, uh, you know, the night 
I'll tell you one story. The night uh, Aaron hit the home run, he was he was having a rough series, and I was in town. I was covering it. I was working for the Fox crew, and I knew he was struggling, you know. And I, and I went to his apartment that the night before the home run, and I kind of sat him down. He was sitting in his bed, kind of pouting a little bit, and I came in. What's going on here? <laughs> no, it was just I, I went into the room, and it was just him and his wife Laura, and it was a very down room. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, what are we going to do? Mope about this? And he looked at me as well. You don't know what it's like to feel. I said, I don't know what it's like. I said, check my bubblegum card from 96 <laughs> and 97. I know exactly what it's like. And my job kind of was the big brother to cheer up little brother. But I remember just telling him, I said, Aaron, here's the deal. I said, you stink right now. I said, I'm watching you. You stink. But I've been there and I know what it feels like. I said, but tomorrow's a new day. And I'll tell you this, you might, you might hit a sacrifice fly to tie the game. You might turn a big double play that makes a difference in the game. And nobody's going to remember that you're hitting 100 in this series if you guys win tomorrow night and go to the World Series. Remember that. And the next day I went to the ballpark and he wasn't in the lineup. And I was kind of like, oh, no, now he's not even starting. <laughs> and uh, he comes on deck to pinch hit, and I see Wakefield's the pitcher, and I'm thinking, you know, he's having a tough time with a normal pitcher right now. You know, the normal 94-mile-an-hour fastball, 86-mile-an-hour slide. I said, maybe this wiffle ball, knuckleball game, maybe it's his only chance. And he got up there and he hit the home run. I remember standing there going, you know, I stood up in the booth and, and I remember having the the earpiece and the, and the producer down in the truck going, Brett, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was truly speechless. And I thought, Wow. It'd be really cool for him to get a big hit right here, but a home run to send them to the World Series, I didn't expect that big of a moment. And I remember just at that time sitting up there, and, and I didn't have a tear in my eye, but I was right on the brink. I was so happy for him, what he was going through, getting benched in that game, coming up in a pinch hit, and just hitting a you know, a Kurt Gibson-type home run, which none of us get to experience in our life. I mean, it's one of the the biggest home runs in the history of the game. And I remember just being so proud of him and so happy for him at that moment. Um, so that, that hitting a hundred for that series and being benched was all gone. Cause he just hit, you know, one of the biggest home runs ever. And, and especially in Yankees history. And I, uh, I was a guy that never, you know, I respected the Yankees in those days, a lot of that team. I'd had a lot of battles with them myself, but I would never in a million years ever go into their locker room. <laughs> Because <laughs> I didn't want to be around the enemy, but that night I had to go down there and just give Aaron a hug, and uh, and I did. You know, the party went on from there. He said, "Hey, we are, we're having a private party, you know, somewhere in the in the city," and he gave me the address, and I showed up. And once again, I felt a little bit uncomfortable because you know, current time I'm uh, I'm playing for the Mariners, and and uh, you know, I have my own history with the Yankees, so I don't like being around the Yankees in their in their realm. But I went into the bar and I stood up on a rickety table and I and I held up a drink and I said I want to have a toast to Aaron Boone and I would say uh, for for one night and for one night only I'm proud to say that I'm Aaron Boone's brother <laughs> and everybody <laughs> laughed and had a toast and I jumped off the table and I got out of there as quick as I could. That's those great. Are, those are cool little stories, you know. And there's a lot of those in the book, so uh, yeah, go out and read it. Yeah, we'll Pretty definitely cool uh, be looking out for it. Uh, pick it up on an. Do you have a Kindle? I have I have a 
phone that is so big now that it's like a that yeah, it's like basically. a Kindle or a tablet. So yeah, we'll definitely look perfect. At, yeah, we'll, yeah, plenty of stories like that. We'll be definitely interested in reading it. Brett, we can't thank you enough to spend in part of your Saturday morning with us. You can find Brett on Twitter at theboon29. The Boon. <laughs> Uh, Brett, thank you very much for uh, giving us this time and a little insight into your career and uh, some words about your brother. Thank you very much. You got it, guys. Thanks. Have a good day. Thanks, Brett. All right. That was our interview with former three-time Major League All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner. And did you know he also won two Silver Sluggers I in did. his career? I did. I finished third in MVP votes in 2001. 2001. He had a phenomenal year. Brett Boone, who played uh, with the Seattle Mariners, Reds, Braves, Padres, Mariners, and finished up his career with the Twins. Uh that was pretty crazy when we were doing a little research on the interview that I didn't know that. And you would think that that will get brought up a little bit more often that two sets of brothers con- consisted of one infield in a major league it's crazy. Game. Yeah, I didn't know I that. I think I heard it like in passing once and it, I guess it just didn't resonate with me. But now if, you know, now Aaron Boone being the manager uh, probably would have remembered that a little bit more. Because I was trying to find out if they actually shared a field together or even on the same team at some point. And I didn't know that they started the same game with another set of brothers. That's crazy. That's insane. Cause you hear a lot of like, you know, the Griffey and his dad and dad and son and all that, but to have two sets of brothers in the infield at one time, that's just, that's a crazy thing to happen. And then that he, I didn't know that uh, his father was his bench coach too. So that had to be yeah. pretty, that, you know what? All the things that you feel about baseball, it's like this. Um, how did you become a Yankee fan? It was passed down to you, right? The same way it was passed down right. to me. And the guy, this guy's love of the game was passed down from him, not only from his father but his grandfather as well. And that he got to share the same uniform as not only his dad but his brother as well. That's pretty cool. And you know what? Baseball at that point didn't wasn't just the game to them. I mean, it was it was his life. It's what he grew up knowing and loving. And, you know, you look at this story and it's just like, it was one of my questions to him was, you know, everyone looks at the Boons and they're like, yeah, well, you know, his grandfather played, his father played, of course he's going to play. It's not that easy. I mean, it just doesn't come that simple. And, you know, to get that kind of insight from a guy who had a much more prominent career than, than Aaron Boone. And now Aaron Boone is such a big part of our lives being such big fans of the game which is pretty cool. And I mean, they say now, I don't know how how this stands up to this date because I think it was an article written, you know, a handful of years ago. But they say Brett Boone's t- 2001 season is offensively, statistically the greatest by any second baseman in baseball. I mean, I think he had 37 home runs, 141 RBIs and batted 331 that year. That's just insane for a second baseman. Because really, before Robbie Cano, I mean, you never really heard those kind of power numbers and run production from a second baseman like that. Well, look at this. This is, uh, I got his numbers up here for 2001. He had uh, 37 doubles, 37 home runs. He led the league with 141 runs batted in, and he batted 331. His OPS that year was 950. Wow. He had a great year. And overall... To be a what three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, you're you really put together a nice career for yourself. But his brother hit one knuckleball, <laughs> one knuckleball, and that was it. <laughs> 
but we can't thank Brett enough. That was uh, that was pretty cool to to be able to speak with the former brother, major league all star, and then, you know and the how it ties into right. being a Yankee pod is that he's the brother of right. the manager, and, and he was uh, nice enough to come on and give us some of his time. And you heard his three keys to being a manager of being a successful manager in this day and age, and I think Aaron Boone checks all of those boxes, checks them off really better than anyone I've seen in this time. He's a people person. He gets along with his GM and he knows how to treat the And media. you know what? I wanted to say this during the interview, but you don't want things to run too long. Yeah, well, you know, when he said that Aaron calls him to bounce ideas off him, I wanted to inject this line and I, I just didn't do it. If you're talking, Brett, if you listen to your interview back and you're listening to this right now and you talk to Aaron during the course of the season, tell him to never put the idea of batting Aaron Judge leadoff in his please, brain. <laughs> please. But one of the things I I kind of wanted to to say to him was like, we said this over and over again. The main thing that you take out of Aaron Boone's season as a rookie manager was that he never he never faltered. He always was the same person every single day. It didn't matter if the Yankees lost 15 games in a row. It didn't matter if they got blown out 25 to nothing. Not that those things happened, but I'm just saying he was always just the same guy. He was always confident in his team. And a lot of people got aggravated by that. But I think that says a lot about his character and how he carried this team to not fall off the wagon and to keep going and to keep pushing forward. Well, we've said it a hundred times. I think that's what the Yankees were looking for in a manager. They didn't want a guy wound like a drum when the team was struggling and then to be, you know, less of a tightly wound drum when they weren't. Right. Girardi was, you know, Girardi was ready to snap at any second, especially when that team was not playing well. Yeah. And I think the Yankees like Boone's even-keeled manner. And I know some of the fans want him to go out there and kick water coolers or, you know, everybody's favorite moment of his in 2018 was when he uh, got in in the umpire's face and did his catching display. But that's not really who he is. No. And you know what? I'm not going to sit here and knock Joe Girardi but Brett Boone talked about how important it is for a manager to have a good relationship with his GM. And from everything that came out over the last couple of years between Joe Girardi and Brian Cashman, you know, we speculated how it just seemed like, uh, you know, Cashman was ready and had his mind made up because he wasn't feeling the relationship anymore. And then look at all the reports that came out towards the end of Girardi's tenure it was that a lot of players maybe weren't really too fond of him. Right. It was all those rumors. Yeah. Only time will tell if the style of Aaron Boone will lead to a ring, a parade down the canyon of heroes. But uh, a little belated happy birthday to the manager. Uh, The day that we recorded the interview with his brother, as you heard, was Aaron's birthday. So, um, you know, Skip, our birthday wish for you is that you're on a parade float in early November. That's a hell of a birthday gift. All right. So thank thank you for listening. A little what? A little late of a birthday gift, but I'm sure I'll take it. If Aaron, if Aaron Boone could have give up all his birthday presents and all of his Christmas presents for the next ten years for one World Series ring, you don't think he did? Oh, absolutely. I'd give up all of my. I'd give up all mine. I'd give up my family for for a World Series ring. (laughs) What about your brother? Man, probably. And then when you're when you're the manager of Asparos in ten years, we can interview him. Manager, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. We'll have a tell-all interview with Ryan. I like that. I'm down. All right. Thank you for listening to episode 104 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. Follow Brett Boone on Twitter at TheBoone29. Thank you for listening. Stack Guy Rye. Go Yanks. Chris. Chris.
Say goodbye. Peace.